this is the podcast Going Beyond Salvation, and I'm your host, Jess Robinson. And this is the Old Testament portion of the daily reading, which seems a lot when we think about it. But once we get through most of the Old Testament portion, it's actually going to jump to the prophets, which is going to be seeming a little confusing because... You know, like even like right now in, in my husband and I's daily reading that we do together, we're in the prophets and my husband's going, wait a minute, where was this prophet? And, you know, I love um, daily reading schedules, but I love chronological reading because when it, you get to like First Kings and Chronicles, you're reading that together and you're also reading the prophets and uh, at the same time so it helps to for you to understand what is going on and so when we get to the prophets uh, it'll be a time for me to explain you know where this prophet came from where they were when when all this and so you get a perspective and kind of go back into where you know it was based on Second Kings and you know Second Chronicles and all of that. So and even after the the exile and and though when the Israelites come back from captivity, you have Malachi and Zechariah, you know, and Haggai. Those were after uh, the return. So we're you know in our our reading in Second Chronicles and um. You know, we just see here in Second Chronicles that it mainly focuses on Judah, uh, which just shows that, you know, and the line, and you know, we see in First Chronicles focusing on the line of David and, you know, in perspective, you know, just to remind people that are listening to this, that this was, this is attributed to Ezra, who Ezra, he will we're actually going to read the book of Ezra next week, part of it, and get into it. But he was a, you know, really devout uh, Hebrew in the time when and when the uh, Israelites were able to come back from from captivity and in Babylon, they were able to come back to the Promised Land and and rebuild the temple and. Uh, him and Nehemiah I just and it seems like this year the Lord has really put me in the stories of Ezra and Nehemiah and Esther and even Daniel over and over again I think I don't know how many times I've read it (laughs) these books over and over again and it's just so amazing how you can see that their lives and and the the time that they're living in kind of really correlates with the time that we're living in as well. And so when we get into those, I'm kind of excited because it's just somewhere the Lord has also placed me reading uh, lately and um, just, it's amazing. But we look at, you know, Chronicles and it was attributed to Ezra. This was, you know, after the, the Israelites, the Hebrew people were coming back from captivity. And it's, when you look at it, it's focusing on God's faithfulness. Because the, 
the Messiah, our deliverer, you know, our Savior, comes through the line of Judah. And it just shows over and over again God's faithfulness in preserving a remnant to bring the Messiah through, you know, and and his faithfulness to the covenant he had with David. And so, you know, we're, we're, when we get into the reading here, you know, we finish out Solomon's reign, you know, and one of the things you notice here in Chronicles and second Chronicles, it doesn't go into te- detail like second Kings where Solomon failed. It doesn't do that. Uh, it just kind of ends, you know, you know, he, he dies after serving, serving 40 years as Israel's king. And we see that, you know, Israel's glory is short-lived afterwards. We need, we find out that the nation becomes divided and both kingdoms begin a downward spiral that can only be delayed by, by spiritual reform. And, you know, we see the nation generally forsakes the temple and worship of, of the Lord or known as, you know, the name Yahweh. And the Reformation efforts on the part of some kings are valiant, but never last beyond a single king's generation. We just see it continually or con- continuing to down spiral. And as I said before, we're not really going to be focusing on on the kingdom of of Israel, the northern kingdom. This is focusing on Judah and Judah's kings. And we see in in Second Chronicles, there's a little bit more detail to a lot of the kings um, from Judah that you don't see in, in the book of Second Kings. And that's why when you're doing a chronological reading schedule, you're doing both at the same time because it really brings out who these kings were. And, and so, you know, we kind of see it with mainly where it starts with Jehoshaphat, really. The, the second good king. Uh, you know, we see with Solomon's son, Rehoboam, you know, in chapters 10, verse 1 through 12, chapter 12, verse 16, we see that what the Lord said, you know, is going to happen to to the um, Solomon's reign, essentially. You know, Solomon died... And through his son, you know, the kingdom's divided. And because he, you know, Rehoboam increased taxes and he threatened a heavy load on the people. And his actions were the, the catalyst, catalyst used to divide the nation. We see that Jeroboam takes the disgruntled northern tribes and forms the new Israel with its false worship system. While Rehoboam serves the tribe of Judah and Benjamin. What is simply called Judah in in that time, you know, and from for chapter 13, verse 1 through 22, there's Abijah, and he had a short reign, but we see he gains a significant victory over Jeroboam, one from which Jeroboam never recovers. So we see that, and then we get to Asa, and Asa actually is kind of more in I, you know, I forgot that there's Asa before Jehoshaphat, but Asa has, we see his reign in 
chapter 14, verse 1 through chapter 16, verse 14. And we see this reformation that begins to happen with Asa. He destroys the foreign altars and idols, uh, conquers Ethiopia and restores the altar to God. And one of my favorite verses is in that time of, of Asa, where the prophet comes to him and says, you know, if you search for God, you will find him. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. And it just correlates with what Jesus said, you know, seek and you shall find, knock and the door will be open. And it's just like, you know, that's just the thing about God is people think, oh, you know, he's just going to give little bits and pieces of himself to us. And it's no, when you seek him, you're, you're going to find him. You know, he doesn't hide. He doesn't hide his love. He doesn't hide his presence. When you are earnestly seeking him with all your heart, you're going to find him. But it's the same, too, that if you forsake him, he's going to forsake you. And so it's just a huge thing that really sticks in my mind is always seek him. Seek him, seek him, and you'll find him. Even when it's, like, hard and you just have no strength. Just seek after God. His presence is going to show up. You know, it was re- making me really think about, you know, the other day uh, I, I was driving to work and uh, I would just, I had my worship music on. And I mean, this this time and season for me is a big time of spiritual warfare because the Lord has really working through me and my husband, you know, we're leading the youth group. And so there's a big time attack. And I just remember I was praying and I was worshiping and I love to, you know, from my drive, there's, I know where kind of the halfway point is. So like, it's like 30 minutes worth of worship before I go into 30 minutes of prayer and while driving and I'm sitting there worshiping and all these songs were just, it was over and over again about God you know, Emmanuel, God with us and his presence, even like in the waiting, he's there. And it was just over and over. And all of a sudden, like, there was just this presence of the Lord that I could feel. And I was just weeping and crying. I mean, when I got to work, I was checking the mirror to make sure I did not smear my mascara because I was crying so hard because the presence of God was there and I was just sitting there going he's there you know and I had been earnestly seeking him going he's here and and even with this this trial and this battle that I'm going through it's I'm just sitting here going the Lord is with me and over and over he's just showed you know, as I have sought after him and his strength to get through this time over and over, he's showed, I'm here with you. I'm here. You know, don't let the enemy think that, that I'm not here. And that's just how he is, is God is with us all the time. So we have Asa, but the sad thing about Asa is he starts out with such a strong relationship with God and then it dwindles and he ends up failing to trust God and then he his pride takes over when he's rebuked he he goes into this pouting 
And and that's the thing about us believers is, you know, as I've talked about in Proverbs, that we have to have a teachable spirit. You know, we have to have a teachable spirit where when we are rebuked, when the God when God does convict us of something that we're doing wrong, we shouldn't sit there and pout and be angry like Asa did. You know, we need to humble our hearts and seek repentance and seek his face. And see, we see with Asa, he ends up getting a foot disease. And he essentially dies from it because he wouldn't seek after God. And this is one of the most misconstrued verses where it said that, you know, he wouldn't seek after God, but he kept seeking after physicians. And this is where a lot of some of these believers, you know, some believers say, well, we're not supposed to trust in physicians. And I, and I knew somebody who, I mean, she's with the Lord now, but she did not trust in doctors. She would not go to a doctor. And it was such a challenge when she ended up having a stroke and all of that. It was such a challenge to work with her because she did not want to be around a doctor. And, but she ended up passing away later on. Uh, not very long. It, it, it was several, a couple months later, she passed away. She went on to be with the Lord and we know where she's at. But she strongly hated doctors. Like, she just did not like doctors. She was like, you're not supposed to go to a doctor. I, You know, I remember my mom, you know, she was having to get a hysterectomy. And I mean, this woman was like, no, you're not. You're going to cancel this. And my mom did not feel comfortable. And she had gone to our pastor. And he's like, no, don't. She's like, do you, do you think I'm doing wrong? And he said, no, you know, he, you went to the doctor because you had problems. And that's the thing about it is doctors are not like, God can use a doctor. You know, there's, there's things that God uses doctors for. I'm not against doctors. You know, we need to go in, you know, cause they're the ones that are going to catch it. They're going to catch they're going to see, okay, there's something wrong here with your numbers. You know, you do a blood test. There's something wrong with your numbers. We need to go see what's wrong. You're not going to know what's wrong. You're just going to see, oh, there's something wrong with my numbers, but you don't know where to start. They have the ability to diagnose you, you know. And to this day, too, you know, there are some things that God uses doctors to treat for, you know, certain things for it's not saying that God does not heal. God still heals. And there are people that where the doctors have said, you know, there's nothing more we can do. And they've went to the, to the Lord and he's healed them at that point. And, and that's just what, you know, so it's not saying that we shouldn't go to a doctor. I, tell people, go to a doctor, get into a relate, you know, have a general doctor that's going to know you, know your numbers, because yes, they, they're there to help you, you know, and it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we, we believe in divine healing, 
but we also know God does use doctors. And, you know, and I have, I know doctors around here in Wyoming. They're believers. They're Bible believing. <laughs> they believe in the Lord. They have a relationship with the Lord. And they see that their, their role as a doctor is, is from God. You know, that they're there to have a relationship with the patient. And they're, you know, they have their a prayer list of their patients' names and pray it, you know, for these people. God can use doctors. So that's one of the things I wanted to bring up about Asa is that is one of the most misconstrued verses is saying you can't, can't go to a doctor. Don't go to a doctor. Don't trust in. No, it's because Asa hardened his heart. He wouldn't go to the Lord he was just relying on just physicians. And I've told Christians, like even me, myself, you know, I will go. And I, if I need to visit the, with the doctor, I will visit with the doctor. But I also pray to God and say, God, give the doctor wisdom to figure out what's wrong with me. And then heal me, God. Heal me the way you want, because this is not right, you know. And that's just how we should do that kind of stuff and how handle that. So from Asa, his son Jehoshaphat, uh, comes in, into the, the story. And we, we see a lot more to Jehoshaphat and, you know, his, his story starts here in chapter 17 and goes through chapter 20, verse 37. You know, he's Judah's second good king. And, you know, he brings a great revival where he penetrates Baal worship and sends Levites on itinerary preaching missions and he instructs God's people in the law. I mean, there's just this revival, you know, but the thing that I like to say about Jehoshaphat is he really lacked in having good friends. You know, he aligned himself with Ahab and he, he joins Israel by marrying his son Jehoram to Ahab's evil daughter, Atalia. And we're going to see that Atalia is not, she's about as wicked because she comes, she was raised in that kind of household. So, and it's, it becomes a snare to, to Jehoram. And we see Judah go through a, a, a downfall after Jehoshaphat. And so, you know, Jehoram takes over and he marries, you know, Ahab's wicked daughter, Atalia, and he leads Judah into idolatry again. He kills his six brothers, you know, because we see in there Jehoshaphat had, you know, set the kingdom aside for Jehoram, and he just gave gifts to the rest of, you know, his sons, because yes, that was his sons. He was going to honor his his sons, the rest of his sons by giving them some kind of inheritance. But Jehoram was like making sure they were not going to take over his throne. He had insecurity issues and kills his six brothers to rid himself of potential rivals. And we see Edom and Libna rebel against Judah and the Philistines attack Judah and capture the king's family. And we see, sadly, no one is sorry when Jehoram dies. No one is. And that's kind of like, sad to read that and go wow nobody was sad that he he died 
then we come to the king Ahaziah, which is uh, the son of Jehoram, you know, and he's wicked like his father. And he just rolls for, for one year. And he's killed while visiting Joram of Israel. He's killed by Jehu. And then we see Atalia go crazy. And she kills all of her grandchildren in order to us, usurp the, uh, the throne. And then we meet Joash. And, you know, Joash is Atalia's grandson, you know, who was secretly hidden away to prevent assassination. And this is so, it just reminds us of the faithfulness of God. Like we see with Moses, God had a plan for Moses and the enemy was doing what he can to keep that deliverance of, of the, the Israelites from happening by causing the king of Egypt to order that all these boys be killed. And we see that later on as well with Jesus when he's born. King Herod, when he finds out the Magi didn't come back to reveal where he was at, decides, oh, I'm going to have all the boys killed. And that was a plan of the enemy to try to keep the the deliverance of of the people. And this is another total example is we have Atalia who you know, is not of the line of Judah. She is from Ahab's line. And this is an attack of the enemy to try to keep the line of, of Judah, the line of David from going, because this is where the Messiah was going to come from. And we see that one person and a priest end up hiding. And there's this big, he's, he's hidden away. And when he's Seven years of age, which I mean, seven years old. You think today, a seven-year-old take over taking over the throne? I mean, I wouldn't have a seven-year-old take a throne, you know. But they have Joash. He brings. He's he's seven years old. He's brought out. Talia's killed. You know the high priest Jehida, who's a great priest. You know, and we see. You know, Joash's reign, you know, after Italia is, is killed and Joash is king, we see that there's this new commitment to God and Baal worship is destroyed. We see Joash repairs the temple and restores worship to God. But this is all when Jehida is on the throne or in the priesthood. And then when he dies, Joash kind of wanders away from the faith so quickly and returns to idolatry and abandons the temple essentially again. And, you know, and he even has, you know, Jehida's son killed, you know, when he stands up and says, no, this is not right. And then all of a sudden Joash is killed by his officials, the same ones that easily, you know, caused him to turn away, you know, kill him, just turn around and kill him. And, you know, and that's how it is, is Satan, you know, you do what he wants, he's going to still turn around and, you know, 
do away with you at some point. So, then we get to Amaziah. He's also double-minded. You know, he starts off good, but then he brings these idols home. And he start, he forsakes God. And, and then he, he dies. Then we get Uzziah, who goes from a different name in, in the book of 2 Kings. We see he rules for 52 years in Jerusalem. And he did great. You know, he was co-regent with his, his father, Amaziah. And he did great, you know. Um, but then his pride gets in the way. And we see that he offers an, an incense, which that was only the priests that were allowed to do that. He ends up getting leprosy and dies. Jotham, his son, you know, is 25 when he becomes king. He reigns for 16 years, rebuilds the gate of the temple and reveres God. And it's not a very long chapter, you know, but essentially it, it sums it up as, you know, Jotham became mighty because he prepared his ways before the Lord is God. It was just a, it was a short chapter, but we see that Jotham, his heart was, was before God, you know, and God helped him to prosper that way. Then we have Ahaz, and Ahaz is a wicked king and an idolater. Um, he's oppressed by his enemies and forced to give the Assyrians the temple treasures. God acts quickly to bring judgment, and Judah is defeated on every side and becomes a vassal state. Then, uh, the last chapter that we read was in chapter 29, and that starts the reign of Hezekiah. And I just want to finish with, with Hezekiah, just the, the chapter that we read. We see that he repairs and reopens the temple. We see that things are consecrated again. There's this time of revival. We're going to go through several chapters, um, just this revival, this this return to the Lord that happens through through Hezekiah. And the first thing he does is he works on the priests consecrating themselves, setting themselves apart back in the temple that we read. And, you know, as believers, especially if we've wandered away from the faith, that's a huge thing to... Uh, I just want to say, you know, that's a huge thing is when you're going back to the Lord, separate yourself, get away from the things that were causing you to turn away from God and let get yourself back under the blood of Jesus. You know, that's just something that is really on my heart right now. I feel like we are coming into a time of revival where people are going to be turning away. People are going to realize you know, and we're seeing it in places. We saw right before COVID-19, there was a big revival starting to happen in Tennessee. There was people, you know, especially those who had known the Lord, had a relationship with the Lord. They were weeping and repenting because they had these past or these hidden sins. And we're seeing it over and over now. We're just seeing these little revivals coming up. And I feel like here in, in Powell, we're getting so close, you know, and I, I've got confirmation that, that there is something coming, 
You know, this is going to be a huge thing where God is going to deal with things in people's heart. Hidden sins. I know he's dealing with my heart. You know, it's it's starting. He's even dealing with my heart. You know, that things that I'm like, whoa, you know, and I didn't think about it. And I'm sitting there repenting before God going, God, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. And that's something that's a huge part of revival. And so... I just want to say, you know, as we finish out that, you know, if you've wandered away, even if you're a brand new believer and you're just kind of in and out, get yourself set apart for God. Look at your life, evaluate your life, go, what is going on, you know, and let God guide and direct you. He will tell you what you need to get away from and get away from it. Set yourself away from it because whatever it may be. It may be gossip, it may be lying, it may even be drugs, alcohol, it may may be pornography, you know, whatever it may be, you know, that God speaks to you about, you know, get away from it, get right with the Lord, get one-on-one with Him, and, and just repent, you know, repent, get right, and let God just take over. And so that was it for the the Old Testament portion uh, for today. Uh, Stay tuned for um, Psalms and Proverbs in the book of Acts later. Um, Just depending. uh, Today is kind of a busy afternoon with uh, getting home insurance quotes and then having to go pick up groceries. So... And getting ready for a picnic for tomorrow up in the mountains for my husband's job. So uh, we will see. Uh, so for next week's reading, we're going to finish up the book of Second Chronicles. Uh, starting at chapter 30 and going through 31, 32, 33, 34, 35, and 36. And then we're going to start in the book of Ezra and go through chapter 1 through chapter 9. And so just... Uh, break that up however you want it's 15 chapters so uh, just have a great day and stay tuned for the other podcasts Mm -hmm.